Hello, folks, and once again, welcome to the show. I am Josh Barant. I'm Kelly Hager, and this is Press Play and Screams, part of the Stolen Dress Entertainment Podcast Network. Nothing but nothing but true. And folks, tonight we have got a true legend of genre cinema and television with us. This is one of those guys where the second he pops up on screen, some part of your brain says to itself, okay, whatever's about to happen, I'm in good hands. Because this guy never gives less than 150%, no matter what he's in. So ladies and gentlemen, and all or none of the above, it is my honor to introduce the man of a thousand faces, all of them rugged, William Sadler. William, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you. Thank you. It's great to be here. All right. Now, before we get into your extremely impressive body of work, I've got to ask, would you say that you personally are a fan of the horror genre? Um, I... I guess I like I like horror all right. I get scared so easy. Um, I don't uh, I don't generally watch horror movies just for entertainment. I, I I sometimes have to watch them when I'm in them, but um, uh, and I've and I but I mean like I watch you know whenever I have watched a horror movie like The Omen or The Exorcist or any you know going back f- further um, they scare the crap out of me and. Um, so I generally avoid them whenever possible. <laughs> Just not to, I have great respect for people who like them. I'm I'm perfectly okay with that. But uh, I just personally get scared. And then when I have to go down in the basement to change a light bulb or something, I, you know, I, I, for the next two weeks, I'm like, what was that? What was that? God damn it. <laughs> That's so cool, given the fact that you're in so many horror films. Uh, what was the first movie that you can recall really scaring you? The, well, pro, I don't I guess I guess Project X wasn't, it, it was pretty horrible. We killed the chimps. We taught them to fly airplanes, simulators, and then we radiated them and killed them. Um, maybe that's not horror. Um, I don't know, The Mist? Um, the Hills Run Red. Um, what else? Oh, Demon Knight. Demon Knight was early on. And that, that was great, great fun. I mean, they're, they're fantastic fun to make horror movies. Um, <laughs> and I'm glad you guys like them. <laughs> <laughs> no, we love them. Absolutely. We can't get enough. And uh, starting, I'm glad that you brought up Demon Knight because I figured that we should probably start with uh, given the fact that we're examining your horror work, uh, Tales from the Crypt as a whole, because there's a lot to talk oh, about with you. Like yeah. you starred on the first episode of the first season of the show, The Man Who Was Death. And I wanted to know, what was it like hopping on to that from the beginning? Were you, at the time, were you like aware of the old EC comic book series, Tales from the Crypt? Um, no, I, w- I actually wasn't. I was, I, I got the... Uh, I, I may have told this story before, but I got the audition to come in and play the cop who arrests the the <laughs> the, char- the character I played was Niles Talbot, and he's an executioner at a prison who gets laid off and decides to hang out in courtrooms to uh, for people that get off on technicalities, and then he arranges for them to have accidents, um, lethal accidents. I went in and. I went into audition for the cop who arrests him at the end. And all he says is, Mr. Talbot, you have the right to remain silent. Anything you say, Cameron will be, you know, the Miranda rights. And um, 
and I, I, I read that for Karen Ray, the casting agent. And then I said, what's up with the role of Talbot? And she said, oh, they want a star for that. They're, 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 they're looking for a name, John Malkovich or, you know, Christopher Lloyd or, you know, they want, they want a name. And so I said, oh, okay, thanks. And I left. And I got halfway across the parking lot and she stuck her head out the window and said, Bill, come back here. And she gave me uh, the, the sides. She gave me a page to learn, this big monologue, and said, um, come back on Monday. I'll put you on tape. And um, so I did. And, <laughs> and the rest is history. But it was one of those moments, though, where um, the, the director of the show was one of the executive producers, was Walter Hill, um, Dick Donner, um, Zemeckis was one of them. Um, um, Joel Silver was an, one of the executive producers. And Joel Silver's next project was, Di was Die Hard 2. Yes. And one of the writers on the show was Frank Darabont, whose next movie was, the movie he was trying to get off the ground was The Shawshank Redemption. So that one little that one moment when I, I didn't just leave. I said, "What about the role of Talbot?" And she took it. I took a chance. She took a chance, and it just opened. Uh, it was it was really fun to shoot it, and you know we did a great, we made a great episode. It launched that series, but it also launched my film career. That's amazing. It's, it's weird to think that you would have almost been just the, just the throwaway role, just the cop. That's crazy to think. That's that. right. That's, That's right. That's... <laughs> it's true. It's true. Because um, you've got that great narration that you give over the whole episode with this great sort of like laconic accent and demeanor. Right. And it feels like the narration of a Stephen King short story to me, that same sort of like folksy gallows humor that he does so well, you know? It was it was great. It was not only was it great fun to film, um, I think Walter hill enjoyed it a lot he he'd made you know movie after movie after movie he'd made some great movies but they're all the scripts are locked by studios and so on and here was hbo was a baby was in its infancy and he's doing a tv show that's a half hour long um based on a comic book and he was he was great he used to he he would write, uh, I would come in in the morning. Um, I think we shot it in seven days and, and um, I would come in in the morning and he'd be writing the speech that I was going to give that day. Um, and I would read it and he would laugh and then, <laughs> and then we'd shoot it. Uh, it was sort of, it was sort of like, it, I felt like he had found a mouthpiece that he liked, a character that he liked. And so he just, you know, he kept putting words in my mouth because he liked the way they sounded when they came out. Um, but it was the beginning of a, you know, I worked again with him in Trespass, the, the movie Trespass, and we've been friends ever since. I think he's fantastic. So part of it was obviously his his writing then and what he brought to it, but were there any uh, sort of influences that sort of you brought to the role as well? Like uh, anything that sort of inspired you in terms of where to, where to take that character from? Um... 
I think the thing that I caught on to right away was this sort of uh, dark humor that he has. You know, he says, he says, uh, they say electricity is so fast the brain gets cooked, and the prisoner never feels a thing. I hate to think that's true. <laughs> you know, it's just the timing of all of the, um, the sort of really evil. Uh, uh, how much he enjoys his work. Maybe that's, I, I sort of latched onto that right away was he gets a kick out of this. And it, this is a good job, um, you know, <laughs> which, which of course made him fun. To, it made him fun to watch everybody. People, we like watching people who enjoy what they're doing. Um, and uh, I had also, it was also these monologues right into the lens, which, um, I had I had done like eleven years of theater in New York before this, including um, a forty-five minute monologue in a show called Limbo Tales, and I won the Obie for that. So, to learning monologues and um, you know big speeches and finding your way through big speeches was something I was already very good at. Um, it helped, you know. It just helped me a lot because on the day. Like I said, he would hand me the page. Uh, I'd spend 20 minutes learning it, and then we're, we're rolling. <laughs> the hell and it's, wow. <laughs> there's no rehearsal. There's nothing. You're just like, um, yeah. But anyway, that was how, that's how it all started. That's my long right. checkered career. Now, you came back to Tales from the Crypt uh, in an episode called The Assassin. And you did sort of the opening stinger that time as right oh, as yeah. Ted, which was your same character from Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. So I'm curious how like that crossover sort of happened. Was that I don't know. They uh, they I, they asked me to do it, and I and I did it. I didn't. We didn't ask Orion Pictures if it was okay to use that character. Um, uh, by that time, I was. I guess I was all in with Joel Silver and his uh, Tales from the Crypt. <laughs> they were, they were going to use me. And then, of course, they, they came up with the idea to do the movies, the, um, you know, the Tales from the Crypt presents Demon Knight. Um, Which, of course, you were in because you're just baked into the DNA of this franchise, you know, at that point. I was yeah, which was which was really great. It was really really fun to shoot that. It had a great cast. Um, Billy Zane, you've got Jada Pinkett, yeah. founder Thomas Hayden Church, and of course you got the late great Dick Miller. So I mean, you know, everywhere you look, there's somebody who every you know, it's one terrific actor after another after another. Um, and uh, and we shot it. It was the whole thing was shot for like a dollar ninety eight in the. <laughs> in this, um, in a hangar, an airplane hangar in Sherman Oaks, um, which I'm sure they used because it was really cheap. Um, <laughs> but it was, but it was great. It, I, 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 I really, I enjoyed that a lot. I, I, you know, that was a character that, um, I love the idea that you didn't know at the beginning whether he was a good guy or a bad guy. You didn't know. Um, he was clearly dangerous. He, this was not going to end well. Um, but you didn't know whose side he was on. And 
Yeah. And Ernest Dickerson just directed the hell out of it. I love the I love the music. Um, um, Todd Masters and all of his special effects, and they were all almost entirely practical effects. All almost every single one of them is a practical effect. And it shows. Um, it comes across on screen. It gives us that extra little delight. I, I guess I'm, I'm. I'm. It's one of the things that I really enjoy looking back at what I did and what I've what I'm doing, still doing, um, is that I have one foot in that world where everything was practical. And all the guy, you know, like if someone's going to fall off the roof of a building, there's a guy going to fall off the roof of the building on fire. <laughs> you know? I mean, it's, uh, everything is practical. If you have to, if you, if someone's going to run like Forrest Gump carrying Bubba through a, a, a field that's full of explosions. There were real explosions going off around that actor or that stunt man, you know, and Die Hard 2 was full of that stuff too. Was, I was going to say your, your predecessor, Hans Gruber in Die Hard 1 famously had a, a heavy fall at the end of this, the movie. And it was, yeah, that was practical effects. Well, <laughs> And I guess they look, they have a look. So I have to say they, uh, they look real because they sort of are real. Um, the look of fear, but it's but it's fascinating now. You you know, they, I was telling somebody the other day about uh, the muzzle flashes on, like you'd fire the guns, um, and uh, in Die Hard Two, and if the cameraman saw the flash, it meant it meant that the shutter was down in front of the lens. That so, he, if he saw the flash, it meant that the camera didn't see the flash because the shutter is going up and down and up and down like this. And if it happened, we would have to shoot it again until he, he heard the shot but didn't see the flash. And then you knew you had muzzle flash, you know. Um, just little little stuff like that. That uh, you know, these days you would it would take you two seconds with. Uh, a program, you know, you put in the mo any muzzle flash you want. Sure, absolutely, yeah. Uh, now, what was it like to work with uh, a, a kind of character actor legend like Dick Miller on Demon Knight? <laughs> Dick was good. Dick was great. Dick was Dick was funny. He told us he told a story. He was full of stories, but the one the one that I remember the most was um um he. He was he was making movies for um, the King of the Bee movies. The um, now the name is escaping me. Roger Corman. Yeah, he he when he came to Hollywood, he started out his career making films for no money or almost no money, and playing every anything Roger Corman wanted him to do. And in one movie, in fact, he played he played uh, a Native American who gets shot by a cowboy and he plays the native American and the cowboy that shoots him. <laughs> like we're not going to hire more actors. Like we can't do that. Um, but he was, he was lovely. He was, you know, he's one of those people who just been around so long that uh, the stories just kind of spill out of him. Um, and a sweet guy just a sweet guy. And he had fun with that role too. Uh, uncle, 
Uncle Willie, or I think was his name. <laughs> uh, I think he had a I think he had a lot of fun playing Uncle Willie. Yeah, it seemed like it. I mean, he just takes a huge bite uh, out of anything he does when he's on screen. It seems like he, you know, uh, he never seems like he's having a bad time in any movie. No. And again, it doesn't no. matter if, uh, if, if, as you say, the you know budget of the film was you know two bucks and a ham sandwich. The guy's still there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> giving well, his you, No, you don't do less. You don't do less because they're paying you less. You, you know, you, you're either doing it or you're not doing it. And if you're doing it, then let's you know, do it. <laughs> well, that, was what I, that was what I was saying at the beginning of the show, because uh, this is not, this is a bit of a, a tangent, it's not a horror film, but uh, about a week ago, maybe a week and a half, I saw um, the Steven Seagal movie, Hard to Kill, for the first time, where you play the, the evil senator. And, right. and again, it's a Steven Seagal film. I'm looking at it like, but you're, you know, you are right in there. <laughs> and you're not you know, half-assing it because of that, you're giving it your all. I thought that was amazing. It just, it, it pops, you know? Well, that's, that's good. I <laughs> yes, thank you. Thank you. Um, no, I don't, I've, I've never felt like I should, like, like you have any right to walk through it or just, you know, throw it away because it's just a Steven Seagal movie or it's just, a, you know, whatever it is. Um, and that isn't fun, you know. The fun, the fun is getting in. The fun is getting your rocks off doing this. Is finding something exciting to play, finding something, you know, put it, your characters at risk of, you know, something going terribly wrong, and leading the audience on, you know, letting them. The it's it isn't fun, you know. It's like I guess it's like you know asking. Derek Jeter to play, you know, half a baseball game or, you know, don't really try to hit the ball or don't really try to catch the ball. You know, you're rather playing or not playing. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. And it's only fun. And it's only fun when you're all in. So. Now they brought you back for the second Tales from the Crypt movie, Bordello of Blood. And I think this is interesting because this time, once again, you're doing the stinger with uh, one of the greatest on-screen performers ever, the Crypt Keeper. And, uh, and you're doing almost word for word, though, the same scene that you did at the beginning of The Assassin. The only difference is that instead of being the Grim Reaper, this oh, time mommy. you're this fantastic old Hollywood mummy who's boring the rotting tits off the Crypt Keeper with these stories. How did that happen? <laughs> uh, and they asked me to do it, you know? They asked me to do it. And again, there's no, you know, they don't have any, they don't, they didn't spend a great deal of time, you know, developing characters or, you know, subplots or anything like that. These are comic book characters. And the Crypt Keeper is a funny, you know, he's always cracking these bad puns and, and he's a funny character. Um, so it was clear what they wanted, you know, they, they wanted, they wanted larger than life to, you know, set this thing in motion which which i was happy to do i had forgotten that one that's right yeah you're basically playing like a drunk burnt laura at a brunch in hollywood <laughs> 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 you know, going off on all these see, i love see i love burnt laura he's one of my heroes you know if he not, if he if the only thing he ever did was the cowardly lion it's okay 
It was his place in heaven is assured. Amen to um, that. Oh, I love those guys. I love character, character people, I guess, you know, they make, <laughs> they, they, they make outrageous choices and then they go there. Yeah. You know, they fill they them freedom. They fill them up. They don't, you know, it's nothing half-assed about his cowardly He's. I'm sure he's never played a lion before, you know. But I love that. Um, I'm always I'm always knocked out by good, great character work. Who are some of your other favorite character actors, would you say? Um, everybody does it once in a while. Vincent D'Onofrio did. I was talking to somebody the other day. I'm not a big Vincent D'Onofrio fan, but he, but what he did in Men in Black, yes, was like was the his place in heaven may be assured for that. Just that role is the one of the funniest things I've ever seen on film. Um, and he just he just went there, you know. <laughs> um, who else? Oh, what's her name? Um, in uh, Singing in the Rain, Jean. She played the she played the actress who. Uh, what do you think? I'm dumb or something? She's, <laughs> and they go the the world is going to talkies, and they have to teach her. They they keep trying to record her. <laughs> and teach her how to speak properly and she just can't and it's just what is it jean hughes is that her name i think she i think she was nominated for an academy award for that role but that's why because she because she created this <laughs> just incredibly stupid and annoying human and played it absolutely to the teeth um I don't know, Margaret Hamilton's Wicked Witch, or that's a solid one, yeah. Yeah, there are a bunch. There are there are lots more out there. I just can't think of them right now. I love that Margaret Hamilton later went on Mister Rogers and did that episode where she took off the costume and put it back on, and she showed kids that you know the witch is you know a fun character, uh, scary, but you know that it wasn't. I didn't. I didn't know she did that. Yeah, it was really, it was quite touching. Oh, that's neat. That's neat. And it reminds me of you a little bit, because here you are, you've been in so many horror films, and still you're, you know, you feel some fear when you see horror, which I think is fantastic. Well, when I, when I did uh, the Bill and Ted movie, when I played uh, the Grim Reaper, that was a character that was way, you know, way, way different from me. But the Czechoslovakian accent and the three hours of makeup and... Um, Basically, play Max von Sydow, pretty much. Kind of, kind of. I stole the accent from an actor named Jan Triskin, who's passed away now. Thank you, Jan. I did a play with him in New York, and he had that. He did that accent, rust like this. Everything was. He's from Czechoslovakia, so, and I just thought it was funny. And I, uh, same casting woman, by the way, Karen Ray. Oh, nice. Uh, she had me in to read for death and they liked me. I was, I, I called them and I said, I want to do this. I want to do an accent. What do you think? And the casting people said, Oh no, that's probably not a good idea. You know, 
because nobody thinks Americans can do accents. And, uh, but I did. And um, I, th I thought I can't make, I don't know how to make this guy funny unless I do that. And if I do that accent, then he could read the phone book and you'll be laughing. Well, I'm going to make you up to look like uh, the character from the seventh seal and then not do right, that. Right. And make him. And then he sounds like he's from Buffalo or something. Yeah. And that makes no sense. What? No. So I had fun with it, but that's one of those characters that's like bigger than life. And, you know, I love to, I love going to those places. Now we uh, mentioned Stephen King earlier because we can't mention your career in horror without mentioning Stephen King. You've done so many of his yeah. adaptations, and Cal here. I mean, we both love Stephen King, but he's actually her uh, favorite author of all time, right, Cal? Yes. <laughs> I, ca I can't talk about him like a rational right? person. I'm sorry. Yeah, he's he's my favorite of all time. I think I did. Um, did I do? F I think I've done four of his films now. That um, sounds about right because it would have been Shawshank, it would have been Green Mile, Mile Mist, right. Salem's yeah. Lot, and, and Salem's Lot. Yeah, exactly. Right, right. right. Mist. I mean, you want to talk about a, another amazing ensemble cast for you to be a part of? That was a murderer's row of fantastic character actors. <laughs> and uh, one of my favorite line readings in the flick was yours, actually, where you you know you're in the uh, the supply. Uh, area and yeah. Next time you got something to say, you count your teeth because I'm sick to death of your bullshit. <laughs> I mean, just the, the folksy spin that you can put on it to make it funny and kind of menacing at the same time. Uh, uh, what was uh, it like working on that? That one was that one was great fun. That was that was um, yeah. That well, that was Frank again, and it was um, Frank Darabon and. Uh, and again, it was not a, there was not a lot of computer-generated anything. The things were mostly things were done practically. So tentacles. Were, there were a couple. There were a few times when we had to watch golf balls or something move around the room and pretend to be afraid of them. But uh, I sort of. I think I spent my entire childhood playing around in the barn that I in the farm where I grew up pretending to acting out these great long scenarios and and it served me well <laughs> okay like I, I don't feel like i've been rehearsing for this stuff my whole life so when the time comes to you know let's all let's get into make-believe and go um it's uh it's easy and it's fun it was great. There was there was one moment when um, uh, Brian Libby plays the biker who goes out, and he <laughs> we tie a rope to him, and we're letting him out. He's going out into the mist to get to his truck or something, and then he's going to drive it back here or his motorcycle. But he's anyway. He gets he he goes out and goes out and goes out, and then he get and there's this, like this roar and. In the script, we just pull this rope back, and he's—we only have the bottom half of him, right? The the top half is gone. And I and I said to Frank, I said, I said, what if he goes out into the mist, and all of a sudden the rope goes way up in the air, and then and then falls down? You could the audience will think whatever it was that just 
did that is 60 feet tall and you didn't have to show it. You didn't, you don't see this creature, you know, and, and it ended up that was, that's what we did. But I don't know. It's the, it's always fun. It's it, solving. It's all about solving little problems every day. Every scene is another little set of problems. How are you going to do it? How are you going to, what's the best way to show this? What's the best how do we, you know, how do we create the tension that you want to create in this scene? Um, it's funny that you would put it that way. Uh, when I was uh, in film school, on I think it was the first or second day, we had the, the professor walked into uh, the uh, directing one class and he looks at us all and he says, how many people in here love problems? Of course, no one raised their hand. And he said, you motherfuckers had better put your hands in the air right now if you want to be in this business. Because <laughs> it's all it is. Every all day, is. all day, you better love problems. You better- How, are you gonna, how do we do that? How are we going to do this? We're losing the light. We don't- that This actor, thing broke down. That, yeah. that actor is afraid of horses. Um, yeah. how, you, how do you show, how do you indicate that the creature is 70 feet tall when you can't see him. Um, you know, I saw all, all kinds. Of, yeah, it's a, it's a constant case. There was a moment in Die Hard 2 when um, <laughs> Rennie Harlan, uh, we were leaving the church. We had taken over the church and set up all our equipment. And as we left, we had to turn, shut it all down but we did, but there was no switch. There was no, there's no, there's no big on off switch to shut down all the equipment. Um, so I said, I said to Rennie, I said, how does, how does this look? And I went behind one of the machines and I reached down and went like that. And, and that's it. It's a, you know, movie, movie magic, but everything is a problem. You know, everything is a, that's it's what's fun about it i think yeah and it's not yeah. a horror film and as i said before we hit the record button i mean we could be here all night if we talked about all of the really cool shit that you've been in but i gotta say die Hard oh. one of oh, the best oh. character uh introductions on screen that i've ever seen you naked doing martial arts with your bare ass to us <laughs> yeah well you know that was pretty that was, Yeah, that was terrifying. <laughs> and, uh, um, yeah, but a great, again, it was another, it was a great, I, I thought it was a terrific introduction for the character because you don't know who this guy is yet. The audience hasn't met him. The very first thing you see is him doing this Tai Chi. And <laughs> what is who, whoever the fuck this is, it, this is not it, you, you, you're not going to want to mess with him that's you you know, what, whatever whatever he's up to this isn't can't be good and <laughs> i thought it, i thought it was a terrific, i thought it was a great introduction for the character like because the audience is making all sorts of snap conclusions about you know they're getting a ton of information and you haven't done anything you haven't said a word you know you know, you haven't told them anything. You haven't said, "Oh, he's he's one of the 
worst bad guys we've ever gone up against, Bob. Be careful out there. You know, it's an easy line to write, you know. But yeah, to show it is a whole other thing. Yeah, yeah, they get they they get it pretty quickly there. I think. Um, yeah. Anyways, so back to horror. Yes, because uh, you, as we said, you have another Stephen King adaptation coming out. You're doing the remake of Salem's Lot, which is really exciting. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're playing Kurt Barlow. One of the most iconic characters in ah, the world, right? Oh, oh, I must stop you. Um, I don't play Kurt Barlow. Really? Really? IMDb I, lied to me. I, they did. I'm so very sorry, and that should. I wish they would correct that. Um, and I don't. And I don't know why the movie, why the producers haven't gone out there and corrected it. Maybe they want to mislead people, but. No, I don't. I don't. That isn't who I play in the movie. Um, I'm not sure I should uh, disclose who I play. Ooh, secret, is it? This movie, the studios are crazy these days. They don't tell you anything. Well, the spoilers are such a problem now. No one wants to be surprised. Somebody, yeah, somebody jumped. Somebody jumped out there and got that. That you know, myth going that I was playing Bar- Barlow. I'm sorry, I should have I should have mentioned that earlier. No, it's okay. Um, but I think it's I think it's gonna be a terrific film. I mean it's there are all sorts of chestnuts in it. There are all sorts of throwbacks to previous Stephen King movies and previous characters. And if you if 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 like Kelly, like if you like the uh Stephen King world, like Stephen King universe. Um, I I don't think you'll be disappointed with that one. I mean, honestly, I I am pretty sure that I have not been disappointed in any movie of yours I've seen. So you've got a hundred percent success rate with me. <laughs> and uh, I was sold on this before you said it's it's great in the Stephen King world. But yeah, super in now. Oh. Oh, that's good. <laughs> no, I had a, it, I had, that, that was, that was a fun one to shoot as well. Although the pandemic made it sketchy, you know, it's hard to, um, we, we started it and then stopped it and then started it again. And, um, you know, I would, they were shooting outside North of Boston and I would drive from where I lived to, to the studio and they, and I'd get a call saying somebody tested positive, don't come in. Um, <laughs> and, and it's you know everybody's staying home for a week. But but yeah, me, Stephen King is uh, I'm, for someone who doesn't. I'm not a huge horror fan. I certainly have done a lot of them. So that was sort of accidental. Then you don't consciously gravitate toward his work. After I did Shawshank, um, which which people were surprised to find out that that was Stephen King, because um, it's it's not his, you know, there's nothing supernatural happening. There's no creatures. There's no pet cemeteries. There's, um, but he's such a good he's such a good observer of human beings. His when he he creates characters that that it's 
that live and breathe. And that's what, that's what hooks me. That's, I think that's what makes Shawshank work. Um, these people feel real to you. Um, and, and he does it again, you know, he, he, he does it in the mist. He did it in, and he really does it in Salem's lot. I don't know. In the novel, they're like hundred, this entire town and everybody you meet along the way, <laughs> or everybody, everybody who the vampires meet along the way has a completely different flavor, different story, different backstory, different, you know, He's, uh, it's an, it's an amazing piece of work. They're, it's a, it's a real town full of, you know, the librarian is just as real as the chief of police, who's just as real as the, uh, you know, the undertaker or the doctors and what have you. Um, I think he's, I just think he's terrific at that. And it makes the, it makes the horror better. Frankly, you, you, you if you if you're buying these people, if you're believing it just a little bit, we can scare the daylights out of you. <laughs> yeah, just you don't, a stroke of realism. You just come you, you just you just come along for the ride. If you're you know, you're buying that's and that's always that's always what I feel like my job is. Just give the audience enough to believe in so that they come they just come along for the ride. I you can take them anywhere. You can you know, if it's a scary, if it's a scary story, you'll scare the daylights out of them. It's funny. They'll start geek. They'll start laughing, but they have to come along for the ride. That's, that's my philosophy and I'm sticking to it. Amen. Absolutely. Now I feel like I've kind of filibustered here, but Cal, I know that you had some uh, questions as well. Oh, well, actually, first, just a comment. Um, it's funny that you said that because I just rewatched the um, the Grudge remake recently. And your performance in that is just absolutely stunning. Like it, it broke my heart. The way Ooh. that, you know, it, I, I'm saying you and obviously I know not you because you're fine. But, but you know, just so traumatized and unable to keep going. And it was just really a master class in acting i did not go to film school but <laughs> well, thank you <laughs> thank you i'm again again that was that was i figured out it's between me and the script and the director i figured out who he who this was and who what was at stake and what was he losing and what was he afraid of and um and then kind of throw yourself into it um, as hard as you can. Um, yeah, the grudge. I th I, did you did you happen to see the um, um, the unholy? I have <laughs> not watched that yet. Religious horror freaks me out <laughs> on a very deep, visceral level, and I don't know why. I I want to see it. It looks really good, but I'm pretty sure I'm not going to sleep for like three weeks. I think I know why. I think I know why it why people find it so um, so um, effective. I mean, it, and I mentioned the Omen and the Graduate and the uh, um, um, Exorcist. Uh, Exorcist, rather. No, the yeah. is terrifying. <clears throat> you, or you know that Damien, because <laughs> you're already you're already talking to people about who. 
you're talking to people who already believe in the supernatural. They all, they're already there with you, um, with the, the Holy Ghost and the Spirit and the, you know, they're, and uh, it, it doesn't take much to, if you believe in that, well, you know, maybe you'll believe just a little bit further and there's a, you know, then demons, uh, why wouldn't you believe in demons? You know, I think it's a, it's a, you're starting with an audience that's already on board, kind of, if that makes sense. It does. <laughs> I I actually don't uh, believe in that, but I think it's it's honestly like, what if I'm wrong? And I just happen to be in the wrong place at the wrong time or like the grudge. All of a sudden I go into this rage house by mistake. And now this thing is following me around. And That was, well, that's scary. I like, I guess I like, I like doing horror movies more than I like watching them. <laughs> I don't like getting that scared, but I don't mind scaring people. Well, that makes a certain sense, doesn't it? <laughs> So what else can I help you with? Um, do you have any other questions? I do, yes. Um, so you've also worked, I think, just about with pretty much every every great actor that I can think of, with the possible exception of Meryl Streep. Is there anyone that you want to work with that you haven't yet? Meryl Streep. I really want to work with Meryl Streep. I think I think she does she does that what I was trying to describe before about characters. She creates characters, um, or she can. She, they're always characters, but um, yeah, yeah, she's one that I would, what happens when you play with people that are that good, you know? It's sort of like your game goes up as well. Everybody in the, everybody in the room goes, up a notch because you know you're sitting at the table with Morgan Freeman and and you know James Whitmore and you you don't want to be the one who can't remember their lines or wasn't paying attention or didn't go you know so I love that she she's one of them that I would love to work with um Harrison Ford I like I'd love to work with him um who else I've never worked with Tom Hanks. I think I, I think we would hit it off great. Uh, he's produced things that I've been in, but it, and we've met a lot of times, but but we've never actually gotten to butt heads on on screen. And I think that would be really fun. He also goes there when he creates somebody like a Forrest Gump, you know. And it's just an out-of-body experience. He doesn't, I don't, I can't see Tom Hanks anywhere in Forrest. Um, and there's a freedom in that. Making, making that leap um, is scary as hell. <laughs> but, but that's where the, that's where the good stuff is. You know, that's, that's why that movie is, is it as remarkable as it is. Anybody else I want to work with? Um, not that I can think of. 
James Cagney. They're all, they're all good. <clears throat> So you, yeah. you cut out, Josh? I was going to say, uh, if there's anyone else, I mean, we'll get them on the phone for you. Then. We'll, we'll make it happen. <laughs> Clearly, we have clout. <laughs> and, you know, with the Jimmy Cagney thing, I mean, the way that they're bringing back dead actors left and right. It's entirely possible. <laughs> yeah. I know. What are we going to do? That The world of computers has changed. Uh, I don't know. I'm not sure it's for the better. <laughs> It's pretty yeah. weird, isn't it? All they need is a recording of your voice. And, and you know, I was, when I did the, the uh, Iron Man movie, Iron Man 3, I got my first taste of that world where everything is computer generated. Everything around you, everything you're wearing, um, the stuff you're reacting to is all going to be computer generated months from now, you know, long after you've gone. Um, and just ex extraordinary. Uh, I'm, I hope they. I hope. I hope they still need actors who. I hope we don't get replaced by some computer thing. You know. <laughs> I was gonna say, is that something that you're worried about? That like sixty years from now, it's gonna be like a commercial on television. It's gonna be like late '80s William Sadler for Kieran Beer. <laughs> <laughs> If they do, if they do, I hope they, I hope they pay my estate well. That's all. <laughs> well, oh. what did you have any more questions? I wonder if that's going to have to be a thing that people put in their will. It's like, please okay. do not use my likeness for products like this, 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 or this. Like, <laughs> you know, high end sports cars only, please. I've already seen um, Fred Astaire selling, I forget what it was. They, vacuum they, cleaners. What? Yeah, I think it was vacuum cleaners, wasn't it? That we saw yeah, him vacuum some, Something like that. And Is John that, for beer at that one time where he did the commercial with Arlie Ermey, where it was obviously not him doing it. He was dead. But. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it's, you know, I think it's only a matter of time, you know, they'll, Maybe Clark Gable will be selling, you know, men's fragrances or something. <laughs> Very probably. Now talk about a horror movie. Right. <laughs> well, Kel, was there anything else? Uh, last one. Um, okay. And this is, this is kind of a silly question. Uh, sorry. But if you had to come up with a game to get the Grim Reaper to leave you alone for a little bit longer, what, uh, what game would you pick? Oh, good question. Oh, oh, I guess I would I would probably challenge him to something like Mario, um, you know, the the computer games, the Mario racetrack games, because uh, because I'm so lousy at those. Um, I've got a six year old grandson who plays, you know, his three year old sister is better at that stuff than I am. Than, than I am at those things. That would that would stump him. He would sit there, you know, working the joystick or whatever you do and crashing into the <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure he would he would release a call of duty or something. You know, one of those new new Vegas. Oh, yeah. 
he would really suck at some, at one of those, I'm sure. So good at dealing death in real life. So <laughs> bad at dealing it digitally. <laughs> so, so bad. That was one. That was one of those cases where he. It, what was really fun about it was that he starts out being so frightening. You know, he's he's the figure of death, and you know the mo the scariest figure on the planet until they challenge him to the games. And then he almost immediately starts to reveal himself as this petulant, spoiled, throws a tantrum, tip, you know, he, he's the guy who sweeps all the pieces off the checkerboard. Um, and you have to play me again, and you have to play me again. Uh, he's such a bad, he's such a poor loser. Well, he would be, he's dead. He gets, he just gets he just gets demolished, you know. This big scary, you know, figure just turns into a, you know, he just gets to, the character just gets demolished, and then by the end, he wants nothing more than to be in the band, and you know, he wants every he he wants everyone to like him, and, you know. Anyways, good fun. Most definitely, yeah. Well, uh, Bill Sadler, thank you so much for being on the show. This has been an absolute treat to have you. Yes, thank you. And uh, you're kind of breaking up. There oh, you go. sorry. I just, uh, I just said it was a uh, wonderful to have you on the show. Yes, thank well, you. Well, thank you, thank you. It was great okay. meeting you too. <laughs> I'll come back. Uh, so I said, I'll come back anytime. Oh, uh, we'd love that. We'd love that. So folks out there in podcast land, once again, thank you for tuning in to hear us talk to the man who was death many times over, <laughs> Bill Sadler. And uh, we always appreciate you listening, and we hope that you're going to tune in next week as well. We've got Victor Varnado from End of Days on this show. It's going to be a hoot. So until then, uh, once again, I'm Josh Vermont. I'm Kelly Hager. And remember... Everyone deserves one good scare. Thank you. Have a nice day. That's our show. Please follow us on social media. We are at Press Play Scream on Twitter and Press Play and Scream on Instagram. Feel free to share your unpopular horror opinions. God knows we have them. And double feature ideas. We would love to talk to you.